0: All right, so keeping your joy, part 20. If you have a Bible, open it up or start it up, however you do it. <clears throat> More instruction. Here's the title. More instruction on how to guard your life with the peace of God. The text we started in last Sunday morning, we'll finish this Sunday morning, is Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, all right? Follow along, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen. That covers just about everything, doesn't it? What you have learned and heard, received, seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Last week we started in 4, 5, 6, and 7. Paul talks about, he talks about the peace of God twice in these verses. Last week, verse 7, you probably have it open in front of you, we saw how the peace of God guards our hearts and minds. Today, in verse 9, he says the peace of God, same subject, the peace of God will be with us. In 7, the peace of God guards our hearts and minds. 9, the peace of God will be with us. And I, I think... I think there's a reason Paul keeps coming back to this subject of of the peace of God. He's not just talking about inner peace and tranquility, the, the peace of God. Because we Christians right now, we all know what it is to be sort of caught in the middle, as it were. We are 320, citizens of heaven, he says. He says in 221, to live is Christ, to die is gain but most of us aren't dead yet. And the place where we live doesn't always feel conducive to growing in Christ and loving Christ and following Christ. It tends to pull us in all sorts of different directions. And this kind of polarization, it's obviously on Paul's mind in today's text. How how do we, here we are right here and now, how do we manifest Christ In a world like this not in heaven but here in circumstances like ours i mean everything about daily life here it assails us with this endless parade of changing moods feelings motives desires ambitions very few of which at least on the surface of things seem conducive to shaping Christ-likeness in our hearts. Circumstances, good and bad, delights and tragedies. Delights, we turn into idols. Tragedies, they lead to despair. All of them, all of them. They tend to hijack our interest away from Christ. Make no mistake about it, church. This world wants your praise. Your admiration. This world wants your thoughts. And if it can't capture all of them, it certainly wants more of them than is appropriate for a Christian. Every step of life asks questions, challenges faith, entices distraction, calls for decisions, holds forth different treasures, and so in today's text Paul says if we're going to follow Jesus Paul says you're going to have to live carefully and, and above all you're going to have to think carefully and you're going to have to think selectively that's that's the word selectively there's there's no time for giving your precious mind's attention to everything and so and so it You need to put the emphasis on the right words. We must think. Think on these things. And we must choose. Think on these things. As opposed to other things. So this is the aggressive conclusion to last week's text. How how will we live in this world until Jesus comes back? 321. What does heavenly citizenship mean? Look like right now, 320. This is our study from last week. Joy in Christ, Paul said, joy in Christ is the moderating power of all of our other ambitions, affections, reactions, 4 5. We're to be thankful in prayer, uh, so we rejoice. Now, in today's text, we think. And the idea I want to close with in this teaching is set out in the title, More Instruction on How to Guard Your Life with the Peace of God. I say more because Paul began his thoughts in 4.7, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. Pray joyfully. Trust the Lord. Think about his coming. The peace of God, seven, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But is that all? Is there anything else? Is there anything else about the peace of God? Anything more? And that's going to be the closing point this morning. But I think there are several other thoughts that sort of shape the counsel of this famous text. So point number one while we live for jesus in this present world we must constantly bend our minds to think about what we're doing i get that in that eighth verse finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise Think about these things. We're not used to having our thoughts commanded. I mean, we're used to having our activities commanded even in the Bible, but our thoughts. And I chose that term, we must bend our minds to think about what we're doing. I chose that verb bend for two reasons. Here they are, first, I wanted a term that implied an unusual effort. So think of like bending a piece of steel. These kinds of thoughts, Paul says, don't just happen. Not for anybody. So, so when I say bend, I mean, even though we're growing in inward holiness, there still might be times, maybe even prolonged seasons, where the direction of our thoughts the direction they naturally take might not be the right direction. So, so my mind can't be automatically trusted to go where it should. Think on, think on these things. Means means making an effort to focus concentration away from some things toward these things. So that's the first reason I chose that verb, bend. There's a second reason. I wanted to emphasize the idea that as I follow Christ and as I obey the instruction of this text with the work of the Holy Spirit in my mind, my thoughts will frequently look bent by this world's standards. So the price, the price of following Christ seriously is you can't, you can't just trend with this world. You can't fit in to the trends of this fallen age. That term trending, it should sound more like a threat than a compliment for the Christian. Worldly trending is a shame for citizens of another kingdom, which is what we're called in 320. I believe the pressure of our culture, here's my conviction, I believe the pressure of our culture to fall in line and conform is only going to escalate in the next decade. In the next decade, this would be particularly obvious over issues of tolerance to things that God rejects and one day will judge. Please understand how important this is to you. In the sovereign plan of God, it's going to become impossible to be an inconspicuous Christian if you want to be a real Christian. It will be impossible. There simply will be no longer any possible way to blend in with the crowd in the days to come if following Christ is going to be meaningful in a New Testament sense. I've said this before, this is the most important question of the morning. The question the church will have to face more seriously than ever before is this. Is God still allowed to be morally offended by things that no longer offend me? is God allowed to be morally offended by things that no longer offend the church? That's the issue. That's the issue. So I must prepare myself to stand apart from the world's priorities and the world's values. How how ready are you for this? In terms of what is acceptable and in terms of what is admired and in terms of what is pursued, you and I will be in a different time zone, a different line entirely than people on that broad path that leads to destruction. Any other road looks ridiculous to them. They constantly lean to their own understandings. They're shaped by what Paul calls in Ephesians, the course of this age. Think of it as a trench. Everybody in the same trench, all going in the same direction. They think they're thinking independently, but they're not. And they don't like being judged or condemned by God. They'll find other ways to interpret the Bible right in the church. They don't want to be judged by God, and they don't want to be exposed by the personal convictions of genuine Christians. So, so again, the thrust of our text must not be missed. The emphasis isn't just that we must be thoughtful. Of course, that's obvious. Paul wouldn't deny that we all think a great deal. A lot of us think about complicated, intricate things, intellectually demanding things. Most of us work hard at thinking clearly about certain practical concerns. We all do that. But none of that is what this text is about. The issue in the text is different. It's a different burden altogether. We're being called to make ourselves think on a few important things because we're prone automatically to think about many other things. So the the call is to dwell much on things we frequently pass over too lightly. The call is to think less about things that are our ambient culture focuses on. And so we're called here to train our minds rather than having our minds shaped by the environment of this fallen world. Don't don't be conformed, Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't let it shape your thinking. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's it exactly, but it's, it's not easy. Newmarket is, New is full of people who train their dogs more than they train their minds. There are probably people here or streaming, there are probably people who work out four or five times a week to train their bodies, who rarely put the same devotion into thinking about godly valuing and godly goal-setting. So, this is Paul's concern. We do not lightly or easily emerge from the mind press of this fallen age. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for you. The, the ways of the Spirit of God don't just waft into our minds like a breeze wafts through a window on a lovely spring day. No, it's a different process. Life is like a menu a menu of choices for your mind. Pick the right ones. Know where to fix and settle your attention. Okay, point number two. I want to talk about citizens of heaven with renewed minds. It's still in that eight verse. Let me just clean that up. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable. By the way, that word in the Greek refers to both... uh, male and and female that's why it's not it's not just me trying to be politically correct it's a translation issue that you'll just trust me whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think about these things don't misunderstand the text we are saved by Christ's death on the cross not by our own contemplation I'm assuming we all know that. But being that we are already, through Christ, citizens of heaven, 320, you need the context, our minds need to be trained to run along new patterns, new tracks. In other words, life in Christ isn't just tacked on from the outside. It's, it's organic. It comes from the inside. It's not just decorative. So that's the reason for that list in verse 8. It's when you look at it carefully, I read it quite quickly, but when you look at it carefully. It's a list that really isn't a list. I mean, Paul doesn't lay down some legalistic thought subject. He talks about whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is. So he's not giving you a catalog of items that you have to think about so much as here's a way of thinking how a Christian should think. He's teaching these Christians how to navigate with their minds. Big categories that you can apply to all sorts of different situations. Life is big, life is wide, with much to engage us in this world. There's so much to do, and this verse is Paul's compass, teaching us how to point our minds toward Christ in all the things that we think about. He's not telling us that we can make ourselves Christians by thinking great thoughts. Rather, he's telling us how to train our minds toward their true citizenship with Christ. He says it really beautifully in uh, Colossians. I know this isn't our text, but it's the same idea. Look at these words, Colossians 3, 1 to 3. So if, here's past tense, if then you have been, it's already happened, you've been raised with Christ, then here's the present, here's the verb, seek the things that are above. So you don't make yourself a Christian by the way you think, but if you have been raised with Christ, this is how you need to learn to think. Where Christ is seated at the right, look at this, I love this. Set your minds, like, like tune them. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Here's the reason. For, this is past tense, you have died. Your life is hidden with God in Christ. Certain things are anchored with Christ in heaven, at the right hand of God the creator of all objective truth. Think about what is true. Think about what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable. These are the uh, objectively measurable standards. In other words, in other words, some things, some things are impure, even if everyone in the world comes to think of them as pure. Some things are wrong, even if everyone else in the world thinks they're right. Tune your minds, Colossians 3, where Christ is seated. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ. So make sure when you think about purity, it's it's divinely revealed purity, divinely revealed truth. Don't, don't go by the trends of the culture. Romans 12, 2, don't let that shape your mind that way bend it in the opposite direction. Last point. Paul's final instruction on living life protected by the peace of God. You might not remember, but I said at the beginning that he refers to the peace of God twice. Verse 7, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I said, that Paul's going to talk about that same process again at the end of today's text, and I would close with it. And here's where you'll see it. Paul's final instruction on living life protected by the peace of God. It's in verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Say that word. Practice. I, uh, you might not believe this, but I went to grade five in piano, and it was always the battle to practice. My uh, mother and father had one son who was delighted to sit down and Went through all the studies through grade 10 and loved sitting down, playing, practicing. I'm going to leave you to guess whether that was me or not. I hated practicing. And I remember the day that coming home from piano with a note from the piano teacher to Mrs. Horbin saying there was just no point in subjecting Donald or me to this any longer. Practice. We We don't really think of it with the Christian life, do we? Probably because it sounds like works somehow. But when he talks about your mind, learning to think, I think what he means is this. It takes practice. So you're sitting there at home, just pick a silly illustration, and there you are in your family room, and you've got you know, your Netflix or whatever you're watching and you're, you're watching it. And, and how, how many times, how many times do you, do you have to hear the F word? How many adulterous people do you have to see between the sheets? Before at some point you, you practice saying, wait, wait a minute. This is practicing, see? Wait a minute. I'm, I'm better than this. God, God made me for more than this. And here's what he means. If you're not careful, what happens is no one's questioning your faith. No one's saying you're going to hell because you watched a television show. But but you don't practice setting your mind in a different direction. It isn't works. It's listening to the Holy Spirit. Practice these things. So in seven, rejoicing in the Lord. Pray thankfully. Set your minds on the coming of Jesus. That'll guard your hearts and minds. Here, practicing. What is the relationship? What is the reliving relationship between God's God's truth? We're studying it this morning. What is the relationship between what we're doing right here and peace? How does peace come into my heart through studying what God has revealed in his word. Well, you practice it. You practice listening when you're not in this sanctuary, when you're not listening to the live stream, it won't happen. It takes practice. Years ago, I had lunch with a man who doesn't attend our church told me of his difficult family situation. He talked about the burden he carries at home and at work, and he told me of his struggle to hold on to God. He told me of his personal reading, how his life had been so helped by one particular author he had discovered. And he said this, he said, I just sense the peace of God as I read. He said, it's as though God just soothes my heart with his peace. I thought about those words, and I tried I tried in as loving a way as I could to sort of just draw out the meaning of what he was saying. How, how did this author soothe his mind with god's peace? How, how had God helped him with the peace he gave? Did my luncheon partner mean that God showed him how to respond with patience and grace to his wife's apparently unreasonable demands? Is that what he meant? Did he mean God used the author to teach them there were more important things than the material success he feared he was losing at his business? Did he mean God used this author to help him dig into a local church for prayer support and encouragement and perhaps correction? And sadly, I don't think he meant any of those things. I think he meant that God just helped him escape his pain for a little while. But led him nowhere into what he should do about his situation. And I fear there are many evangelical Christians who have bought into this more Eastern contemplative therapeutic vision of what the peace of God actually is and what it does. That's Paul's concern in verse 9. He he steers away from the kind of peace that just chants, serenity now, serenity now. God's peace comes even in very difficult, heartbreaking, pressure-filled situations from doing what he places at your feet next to do. From forming attitudes toward people, towards enemies, towards unbearable marriage situations that line up with the Holy Spirit and the kind of life that's hidden with Christ in God and seeks things that are above. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I don't mean we can do everything sometimes not even very much, to solve all our own problems. But there are always some things we can do to line up more with what the Holy Spirit wants to bring in terms of a reaction, in terms of an attitude, in terms of discipline. And there are definitely many things we can avoid doing wrong to make our situations worse if we put our minds and wills at practicing what the Holy Spirit instructs. For example, I can almost unwittingly look for pity from others when somebody's wronged me. And Paul would say, no, 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 no. Don't let your mind go that way. I can become so obsessed with blaming others. Here's the beauty of that one. There's always somebody to blame because other people are just as ungodly as you are. There'll always be people to blame. So that I can avoid thinking about I, what I need to do better. I can always shut myself off from other Christians, telling myself they're full, the church is full of hypocrites, they don't care, they don't understand. I came one Sunday, nobody said hi to me, I'm not going back to that church. You can do all that stuff. And Paul said, no, 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 no. Whatever, Whatever's pure... true and excellent he says practice these things and this wonderful promise the god of peace will be with you the god of peace will be with you what a text that is let's pray together church We're so grateful, Lord Jesus, for your word, the, the, the sheer, blunt truth of it. We're so glad for the instruction we can receive. And, and for me, for all of us in this room, for all of us watching this live feed, that, 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 that the hearing of it will be incomplete without practicing. Practicing letting the truth of your word implanted by your spirit. Practicing listening. Practicing changing. Practicing honoring you above ourselves. And let the God of peace move in, rule, control, shape, conform us more and more to the beautiful image of Jesus Christ in a way that transcends more than just words but is an actual happening in the hearts of all your children at Cedarview Community Church and beyond. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.